0: A lot of the parents that I talk to via my baby massage classes ask me whether everything is going as it should with the little one's development. I've been on the lookout for an expert to talk to who knows her stuff when it comes to baby development. And in this week's episode of First Time Mums Chat, I'm chatting with paediatric occupational therapist, Minira Edenweller. Minira talks about how she helps babies to be able to get in and out of positions that they are comfortable with their bodies and explains how she contributes to the development by helping with all the little movements required to get up to sitting, standing and eventually crawling and walking. During our chat you'll hear us talk about why it is important not to rush your baby to be doing the developmental milestones and let them take their own time. How a paediatric occupational therapist can help when babies are not meeting their developmental milestones or when your gut feeling is telling you that something isn't right. How a paediatric occupational therapist helps babies that are struggling with coming into sitting and crawling positions and to be more comfortable relieving tension in their bodies and so so much more. I'm Helen Thompson and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. I'm a child care educator and baby massage instructor. and know that being a parent for the first time is challenging and changes your life in every way imaginable. To help ease your transition into parenthood, I aim to offer supportive, holistic approaches and insights for mums of babies aged mainly from 4 weeks to 10 months old. My goal is to assist you to become the most confident parent you can and smooth out the bumps along the way. This podcast is brought to you by My Baby Massage. To find out how Baby Massage can help you to increase your confidence and feel more connected with your baby, check out My Baby Massage introduction video at mybabymassage.net forward slash intro. Let's do this together. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please contact a medical practitioner if you are concerned or have any medical issues. Hi Minio and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. I'm delighted to be chatting with you today and finding out more about what you do. And how you help families? Can you start by telling us about yourself and your background?
1: Manira, I am a pediatric occupational therapist after uh, twenty five years, and I have a uh, practice that is online. I'm based in the UK. It's called OT for Kids, and I work with babies up to children up to uh, thirteen with sensory processing, coordination, and other kind of diagnoses. And a lot of my baby experience was from working in New York, where I worked in the early intervention program for children from a zero to three. So I'd see a lot of the babies. As soon as they'd come home from the hospital, they would get with development. So that's where my baby experience uh, comes from. I'm also mum to an 11 year old. So I've also had a baby and I've gone through some work with him as well. So I've got to practice what I preach in real life as well.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. So you've had a lot of experience in that line with babies. Yeah. So as an occupational therapist, how do you work with babies? So when we had the chat, you mentioned about baby-owned movements. What does baby-owned movements actually mean and how do you support that?
1: Yeah, so to me, it means helping babies to be able to get in and out of positions so that they are comfortable with their bodies and they can get in and out of different positions. So for babies to be able to go from the back to their tummy or from their tummy to their back or Babies being able to go from moving into sitting versus just being put into sitting or being able to have all the little movements that it takes to get up to sitting or standing and eventually to crawling and walking.
0: I've done a bit of tummy time and I also teach baby math. So I'm aware of the basics of movement, especially when it comes to tummy time. So would you be supporting them to roll in and out of tummy time? As well as what you said?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on the age of the baby. So, for instance, with a newborn, you kind of naturally do a lot of tummy time because they're often held against oh, you. Or yeah. if you're sitting on the sofa, you'll have them against your body as the parent. So, they're naturally getting a lot of that tummy time in those positions, or just the way that you may hold the baby. It depends on. The baby and how comfortable they are in each position parents are quite good at reading their babies and figuring out oh they like being in this position or or that position and then as the baby gets older you then see them being more comfortable like being on their side or they roll from their back to their side and eventually they start rolling from their side to their tummy first it's an accident and then it becomes a bit more purposeful that they do that rolling movement So a lot of it will depend on their age and stage as well.
0: Yeah, do you want to encourage them to do it themselves? I mean, the purpose of baby-owned movements is to, to observe them and let them do it themselves. If at a certain age they haven't done it, is that when you would intervene and gently support them
1: yeah so I've had babies who might be 12 months for instance and they're struggling with coming into sitting and crawling positions or the baby doesn't like to move and they get really tense with their body so that's when we come in to try and help work with the baby to be more comfortable with their bodies and to feel where their bodies are and to feel themselves going in and out of different positions without feeling lost in their body that makes sense And to work on those transitional movements to be going from tummy to side, side to sitting, sitting to hands and knees, hands and knees, up to standing and walking eventually.
0: I know a little bit about this through my childcare career with development. Am I not right in saying that at 12 months they should be sitting? I'm not going to say walking. They should be at the standing stage and holding on to something and and taking their first step.
1: Yeah, and then when babies are not meeting these milestones, that's when you know when they need a little extra help because let's say they may not be coming into sitting or they may not be able to sit or it's hard for them to hold their head up, for instance, or to get into crawl. So that's when parents will know that they may need a little help.
0: Yeah, because I know that there are certain developmental stages that a baby should be doing certain things and if they're not you don't want to rush them but yet there's a little red flag that you might think oh they're not learning to sit at around about six months or maybe older eight months i guess yeah possibly even nine when they're around three four months they start rolling and if they're not doing those things at that time it's something that a parent may think oh okay well We'll give them a little bit more time. And if they're not doing it by a certain age, well, then we'll intervene and get help. Are my guidelines roughly right?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think also parents have a very good gut instinct about their child. And if they ever feel that that they're not sure about something, it's probably just good to go and see somebody. One, it could put your mind at ease. And two, it could help you to get some ideas of how to move forwards with your baby or ways to support the baby from now. So I always feel that as parents, you just kind of have a little inkling and know what's going on with your baby. It's good to have it checked out.
0: I agree because every baby and every parent is different. And there's no right way or wrong way of bringing yeah. up a baby because we all do it differently and exploring those things so that you don't get over-anxious about it. Yeah. At an early yeah. age, it's probably better rather than leaving it later, even if it's just yeah. taking them to somebody like you and just saying, look, I'm sure my baby's fine. They're doing these things. Can you just check out whether they're on target with of what they're supposed to be doing at this at their age and development
1: yeah and I I think it's it's also about not rushing babies Mm. to be doing their milestones so often we rush babies into sitting on their own or we rush them into standing or uh, being up on their feet however they haven't done all the other skills that come before that yet often I find that children or babies they're much more stronger and coordinated and safer with their movements when they can get into that position themselves so if it's into sitting they'll be much more st- stronger with their body and able to hold that sitting position once they get into that position themselves if that makes yeah, sense
0: yeah and yeah. with crawling a lot of parents have said to me oh my child didn't crawl I'm not saying there's anything wrong if your child didn't crawl because some children don't need to but it does bring up that strength and that coordination in order to build those core muscles in order to stand you've got to exercise those muscles in order to stand and in order to hold on to something that is what the process of crawling is because you're crossing the midline you're working with both sides of the brain and it also helps down the track would you agree there's nothing particularly wrong if they don't crawl but it's important in the respects of building that strength and coordination.
1: Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of crawling just because I see a lot of um, older children with um, handwriting difficulties and many of them have struggled with these skills as infants, according to their parents. I'm a big fan of crawling. I think it it gives a lot of that sensory information to the, the body to feel your arms and your hands and your knees and your leg, It just helps you to feel where your whole body is in Mm -hmm. space. It's also that spatial exploration while while you're in that cooling position to explore what's around you. Then there's also the core strength and the shoulder strength that you get and all the strength up to your hands and your fingers. And then when babies start moving their hands like this a little bit and picking up little pieces of um, lint on the carpet, While crawling, they're starting to develop those fine motor skills as well. Like you said, it's being able to use both sides of the body and stimulate both sides of the brain together. And we get that being able to reach and cross over the midline of your body. Then from there, once you're on your hands and knees, that's when babies start kind of lifting their body up when they feel ready and getting into that kneeling position so that you can then eventually uh, get up to standing. So... I'm a big fan of crawling. Even for the older children that I see, we actually go back to some of the crawling work, but in a fun, age-appropriate way to develop some of those underlying skills with their body and to develop that strength and coordination and using their hands to develop the muscles in their hands for fine motor skills.
0: It's interesting you say that about older children because I know when I was doing my brain team course, that I find it really hard to crawl. I don't know whether I crawled as a child. You mentioned about crossing the midline. I actually find that movement actually quite hard to do. I have to really think about it, putting my left hand down and then my right, and just doing that motion of crawling as an adult. Activities like jumping, I actually find that sort of motion quite hard. I really have to tell my brain what to do. Even if I'm doing exercises, if I'm doing a stretch on my leg, I've got to say to myself, right, my left leg is bent and my right leg is straight in order for yeah. me to do it. I don't know whether that's because at the stage that you were talking about that I didn't have that strength when I was a child. I don't know, but yeah. it's just an interesting point that you said that.
1: Yeah, and I always say for the kids that we work with that these are st- Skills that just happen automatically, mm. and that kids have that natural inner body awareness for these skills to develop is not something we would necessarily not be teaching.
0: Yes, kids. of course.
1: Yeah, it's the stuff that happens automatically. Sometimes parents will say, "Is it my fault that they haven't done this developmental milestone or the not. other?" I always say, "It's never a parent's fault. It's just the way that the the child's brain is wired." And that these skills develop automatically and naturally on their own, not because it's being taught to mm. them.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And yeah. I think the process is still natural. But you do see some yeah. kids, are cool, they don't do that stage. They just get up and walk. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's important to maybe just teach them movements when they get older or how to cross the midline. And how to work with both sides of the brain, whether that's to do with crawling or whether that's not.
1: Yeah, I I... guess as as the kids get older, you'll see if they have difficulties in other areas or not. Some kids don't. They are fine in their other future learning skills and coordination skills. Or if they need support in different areas, then you may go back to doing activities that help them to feel where their body is and develop their body awareness and spatial awareness and strength and coordination for doing those future milestones.
0: So if somebody was to come to you as an occupational therapist, what would it look like for a parent who came to see you? What would you be doing with them?
1: Yeah. So if it's a baby, I usually will first speak with the parent and get some background information on their birth history, medical history, on their milestones and how the baby moves and plays and tolerates being moved as well. So I'll try and get that information from the parent. I will also often have parents just send me little snippets of videos of the baby in different positions. So I'll have a video of the baby on their back and seeing how they move while they're on their back and on their tummy and seeing if they're doing things like rolling or sitting and coming into sitting. We'll talk through their milestones and see which ones are comfortable for the baby and then which ones are difficult. Then I will look at the baby and see how they are moving and just try and figure out which uh, skills are missing and which ones they need support to develop and how we can go about doing that. A big part for me is uh, helping babies to be able to move in and out of each of the positions that they should be doing for the age that they are at
0: yeah i know with some physiotherapists and i I don't know if you link together but they work a lot with your neck some babies prefer one side and not the other and some babies find it hard to lift their neck up and down so are there movements that you would look for to see if they need support
1: yeah so we might see for instance if the baby is doing something more on one side than the other babies shouldn't be having a strong preference to one side they should be being symmetrically and equally with their body they're not yet like right-handed or or left-handed that's actually a a red flag if a baby is being right-handed or left-handed is showing that there's a weakness in their body So we look at how they are, if they're doing things one-sided or not, or if one side is weaker than the other. Also, if there's any kind of tension in their muscles or any kind of stiffness in how they are moving and seeing how they are with all the smaller movements to get somewhere. So coming into sitting, can they first turn to the side and then put their hand down and then push up to sitting? So we're looking at breaking up the skills into little baby steps.
0: Once you've done all that and you've gone through that procedure... And you know what the the little things are. Do you give the parent very gentle movement exercises to help support whatever condition it is that they're having trouble with?
1: Yeah, so we'll try and find ways to incorporate some of the movements that the baby might need help developing into their daily routines. Whether it's doing it after a diaper change or whether it's in the way that you hold the baby when you carry them around Or in the way that you might do some playing with the baby and helping, finding ways to help them to be comfortable in their body to get in and out of those positions. Sometimes it might be finding different ways to massage the body, to stimulate different muscles or relax different muscles that they need to be using that they may not be using to reach those milestones.
0: I know that's got something to do with the neck muscles. I've spoken to a cranial secular therapist who said sometimes that there's just a little thing in the neck where they just need a little bit of a massage or a little bit of a release of tension in order for them to move their neck more freely because sometimes they've just got a a blockage in the muscle and they just need to release that tension in there.
1: It depends. Sometimes what you might see if a baby is tight in their hands, It might be because they've got tightness further in their neck or in their shoulders or in their ribs. Often what you might see is really a representation of something that's happening closer to their body, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. Or sometimes if their toes are curling and their toes are tight, it's often something up in the hips or in, in the trunk. So that's where we look at the massage and trying to figure out where something is coming from or where is the limitation coming from.
0: Yeah, because sometimes it's referred pain, isn't it? You may think it's in the hands, but in fact, it's probably in a completely different other part of the body because our bodies and our muscles all interlink. So I learned that from kinesiology, that if if you've got a pain in in your finger, it might not actually be the pain in your finger. It might be in a different part of your body relating to that area, and that's why your finger's sore.
1: Yeah, so this might be something a little different. What I'm trying to say is that sometimes there's a tension... For instance, if you have a tightness in, in your shoulder, that's going to really limit you be, from being able yes. to use your hands and your fingers. Of or course. if you have tightness in your hip, that's going to limit how you are able to be flexible with your foot, for for instance. So you might notice the ha- fingers curling or the toes curling, but it's really sh- indicating something that's happening closer to the body. Yeah,
0: I totally get what you're yeah. saying. When I teach baby methods, and I think this is the right one, please correct me if I'm wrong. When your hand has sort of curled up, if you actually put your hand on top of your baby's hand or, or their feet, and if they don't straighten up, it's that the bank theory reflex. I do that a lot with my baby massage clients. I always say to them at the end, once you've done your feet, once you've massaged the feet and done it, just do that. Put your hand just above where the fingers are or where the toes are, particularly where the toes. And your baby's toes or fingers will automatically open up and they're automatically stretched. That's called the banksia reflex, isn't it? Babinski. Yeah. And if they don't do that, well, then you'd know that there might be a little bit of an issue and you might say, I, um, I suggest you go and see an occupational therapist or something just to see whether everything's okay. Because when you do that, they should straighten up their toes or their fingers.
1: Yeah. So all, all of these things are like a brain marker. It tells you what's happening in different parts mm. of the brain. And it helps you to know what to plan and do next.
0: Yeah, I like what you do because I think it's all done naturally through the body and working with the body to support the body. As we've mentioned, it's not rushing. If they're not going through it, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong. And I want to stress that to mums too, as whether well you stress, that just because they're not going through the particular milestone at the particular time they've got to do it, there's nothing wrong. I think that's really important to mention because... That, of course, would be overwhelming and it would cause anxiety for parents if they look at the milestones and they think, oh, my baby's not doing it, there's something wrong. And they get over-anxious about it. What you do is just supporting them gently through it and saying, okay, well, th- they may not be doing this, but they're doing that. We support them in helping them to develop those milestones.
1: Yeah, yeah. Helping them get the skills they need to reach each of those milestones. For me, it's about work with getting in and out of those positions to reach those milestones using play and connecting with your parent as the motivator as well.
0: Yeah, play is a different topic altogether. I've done a few podcasts on play. Play yeah. is so, so valuable. Not only for what we're talking about, but for their intellectual development, their imaginary development, all of that. Play is the key to a lot of things with child's development. And we talked earlier about rushing, but rushing with play and telling your child they can't yeah. play and do things, I just think is inhibiting their development because play is so valuable. You learn so much through play.
1: Yeah, it's so, so much for that and, and about giving kids the space to explore with their body and to come up with their own ways of playing on their own. Even as kids are older, there's so much that they learn from their play with problem solving and uh, dealing with uh, managing complex social situations, all of those skills they learn through play. Even for adults, we need to be playing as well (laughs) to keep our spirits up and our mental well-being. So I think the play goes throughout the lifespan.
0: Yeah, and it's good that you mention it with the body as well, because play is not just about playing in a home corner or playing in a sandpit or exploring nature. It's also about encouraging them to move in their own way, because if they don't play around with it, they're not going to learn how to do it. They've got to play with it and think, oh, well, OK, if I go this way or if I go that way, oh, I can do that or, or If I move my hand this way, I can do that. They're learning all of those things. And I think that's why play is so valuable.
1: I think also for babies, their first toy is almost like their hand because they're playing with it and exploring it in their mouth. And they go through that cute phase where they're kind of like looking and staring at their hand and they're looking at everyone else's hands. Their hand is their first toy, and extension of themselves. (laughs) I think it's really sweet. Yeah, it sounds like you've done quite a lot on play and it's another interesting topic, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I did it. And especially with the feet, when the babies learn to bring their foot up to their mouth, that's quite a cute one as well. Yeah. That's all to do with what we're yeah. talking about with development yeah. and baby movements.
1: Yeah. it's so that, that body awareness that they're getting by exploring their hands and their fingers and eventually getting their foot up to their mouth and exploring. It's like finally they, they feel the ends of their bodies as well.
0: Yeah, that's where the baby massage is also good because I do a lot of songs and I always encourage parents to look at their baby when they're talking to them and massaging yeah. them and to use their fingers. It yeah. all comes back to originally what we talked about with the baby-owned movements.
1: Yeah, and I, I love it. I think it, this goes along with the massage work that you do as well, is I love the idea of parents telling the baby what you're going to do and how you're going to be moving them. Even when they are little and they may not be moving themselves as much, for us as parents to be telling the baby what you're going to do with them so that they can start planning and knowing what to expect. And then it's just not as unknown to them as well.
0: It's baby autonomy as well. That's what you do. If you're an occupational therapist, a physiotherapist, or a baby massage therapist, if you communicate with your baby and say, okay, I'm just going to hold your leg and I'm going to just move it slightly, you tell them yeah. all the time what you're going to do. I think that's important to give them respect as well and telling them.
1: it's this nice back and forth communication as well, isn't it? In, in their own ways and for them to be able to read you and you them. And it's, it's a nice, lovely in, interaction.
0: It's building up that trust because as an occupational therapist, as well as a baby meth therapist, you need to, you need to build that trust And if you don't give them that respect, you're not going to build that
1: trust. Yeah, I I didn't mention this before, but that's why a lot of the sessions, they start by really just playing and connecting with the baby before you start moving and doing something with them because you first want to develop a a connection and to build that trust with them. So I often will speak with the parents first so that the baby can see that I'm a comfortable, safe person and then I'll um, engage with the baby.
0: I think that's a good thing to do. So,
1: we've covered a lot of ground here.
0: So, yeah. if a parent wanted to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that?
1: Yes, I have a, a website. It's called ot, the number four kids, K I D S dot co dot UK. And that's the best way to reach me for baby consultations or baby work. Well, thank you so much for being
0: on this podcast. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I could sit here talking to you forever about this topic.
1: Yeah, it's so really
0: fun. Thank you so much for being here. I've really enjoyed having
1: you. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me.
0: Munira shared some great insights on how a paediatric occupational therapist can help your little one. I highly encourage you to check out the od for kids website, to find out more about Minera's services and offerings. We also talked about the importance of play during our chat and I'll also include links to some of the earlier First Time Mums Chat podcast episodes relating to play, which I am certain you'll find as help in the episode show notes, which can be found at mybabymassage.net forward slash podcast forward slash 139. I share each episode on the First Time Mum's Chat Instagram page and you'll hear me chatting live with folks I've interviewed from time to time. Please support me by following me and I look forward to meeting you during one of my lives. Next week I'll be talking with Jo Wilson about water-based activities for babies and toddlers that not only help with safety but also support their sensory whilst helping to soothe and calm both mum and infant. Be sure to listen to this episode when it comes out next week and please subscribe to First Time Mums Chat via your favourite platform so that you get quick and easy access to all of our episodes when they are live.